we talk a lot about our vision here to really raise up game changers, to multiply people who are walking in their calling as God's created them for so that we can impact and change the world. It's bigger than our church. It's about people in the kingdom of God understanding one, God has a purpose for your life. It's divine. It's a calling. It's preordained. And that we will walk in that if we step into God's will, we seek him and then it'll empower us to do things great and mighty that we could not never possibly imagine on our own. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So in our natural mind, there's a whole plan that God has prepared for us that we can't conceive, we can't understand, apart from a revelation of His Spirit to us. And then when we understand that He's got a plan for us, and we begin to see details of how that looks and how to walk in it, it, it empowers us to do things that we can't even do in our natural abilities. And then we change the world by reaching the world for God, making him famous and, and living the life that he's called us to live. So as we talk about raising up game changers, walking in our purpose and our calling, one of the things that I feel is so that I'm really passionate about is a revelation of grace, a revelation of grace as the Bible lays it out for us. And grace, I think I mentioned in week one, it's one of those things where sometimes it's just you hear it so much, sometimes common terms can just kind of get brushed over after a while because you think, oh, grace, oh, faith, you know, but really those are some of the deepest things, some of the broadest things that we want to really explore about what the Bible is saying and, and the revelation that's there for that. And so to me, when I think about grace, I think about how in order to be a game changer, meaning in order to walk in our purpose and our calling, we have to understand what the Bible says, a revelation of grace as the Bible gives it out to us. Because without grace, we could never do anything that God is calling us to do. Grace is basically the flow of God's power into our lives in order to do everything that he's calling us to do, in order to be who he's calling us to be. It's, it's all right. Everything that we have in Christ, we have because of grace, because of God's free gift to us. And so we wanted to unpack that. Now we really grabbed a, a scripture out of Ephesians chapter two in week one. And I, I use this as I, we've been going through the book of Ephesians because to me, this book, the whole book, while there are other things that you could definitely teach on, there's a theme or an overarching uh, just lesson, if you will, about grace that I see through the whole book of Ephesians. And I just wanted to use this to really unpack everything about grace and us walking in our calling. And so in, ver in chapter two, I believe it was verse eight, he says that you've been saved by grace through faith. And so this is the huge thing that we've been just really unpacking each week is that by grace through faith, meaning grace is, is God's, if you study that word in the Greek, it's God's like he's always leaning into wanting to bless us, always sort of leaning into our lives, wanting to bring his favor upon us. Like God is always wanting to, boom, empower our lives with his grace. It's his constantly leaning in towards us and he's wanting us to, to receive what it is that he has for us each and every single day, not at just moments of time, okay? But the whole idea of by grace through faith, that through faith part, 
is huge because it's through faith that grace becomes active and becomes operative in our lives. Meaning, you have to believe that you have, you have to get a revelation from God's Word that there's a promise, that there's a truth, that there's something He's done for you, that He has for you. And as you get that revelation from Him, it establishes your faith for that. And as you have faith in that, grace begins to flow as a result of the faith that you are active in. Does that make sense? So when I'm walking, if you say, man, they're just, they're walking in the flow of grace and the empowering graces in their lives, there is a faith that exists in the person for the grace of God in their life in order for that to be flowing and active. And so that's what we've been doing and really walking through the whole book and just taking different parts and different lessons that apply to all the things in the church today as well as in our lives today. Because we were singing in the in worship time, if you remember, we said uh, he was and is and is to come. And everything about the Bible and everything about Jesus, you got to understand this, is timeless, right? I mean, the scriptures, some of them are written thousands of years ago, but everything about the living word of God is timeless, meaning it's effective, it's accurate, and it's applicable in our lives today. It will be if we're still here, people on this earth a thousand years from now. It was a thousand years ago. It doesn't change. It's timeless. And so as we look at the book of Ephesians and we see some of the things that Paul is laying out for us, I see and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, wow, this is for right now today where we are in our lives, in our nation, in the church, everything. And so let's pick up now that we've done a lot of that summary and kind of that intro in chapter five. And we've been through the first four chapters. So we're getting into chapter five today and we're going to start in verse one. Is everybody still with me? I didn't lose anybody today. Yeah, you did actually. Okay. All right. Chapter five, verse one. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma, a sweet smelling aroma. Now let's just pause right there because this is huge. You know, when, when the authors of the scriptures take something and use it as a metaphor or an analogy, it, it just, I don't know about you, but it always kind of catches my attention. He's like, he's sweet smelling aroma. And there's also another scripture in the Bible in chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 14 and 15. Let's just go and put that up there too. Where it actually talks about, thanks be to God who leads us in triumph in Christ and through us, get this, diffuses, through us, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Jumping into verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the fragrance of Christ. Christ is diffusing his aroma through our lives. This is a powerful, powerful metaphor. So, has anybody ever seen one of these things before? What is it called? A diffuser, right, right. A diffuser, that was exactly what it was supposed to be. Okay, so these diffusers, when you put like a fragrant oil or something in them, which we have here, and you fill them up, Can you see that? 
you can't, can't oh, kind of. There's a fragrance coming out. You see the steam and everything? So this is a diffuser. And then what the diffuser, really the only thing that it is designed to do is to stay full and to diffuse. Are you with me? It's just putting off a sweet-smelling fragrance. And when you have this thing in your house, like when we have company over, you know, Katie loves to put these fragrant oils and stuff in there, and then you just, you walk in, and you can really smell it. You can kind of smell it around the whole house if it's just been diffusing consistently for long enough. And so there's just this sweet-smelling aroma. And the Bible says, basically, that, that what I'm trying to show you is that we are kind of like these diffusers in a way where we're, we're putting something off. And what we're putting off is a byproduct of whatever it is that we're full of. Okay, And so whatever we're full of is sort of emitting or diffusing into the atmosphere of our lives. And it's putting off some kind of an aroma. So I know this sounds funny, but what kind of an aroma are you putting off? Right? And, and if your spouse is elbowing you and saying, see, I've been telling you, you stink for a long time. You need... So whatever it is that you're putting off, I would just submit to you that that is really just simply an outworking of whatever it is that you're filling yourself with. Okay? And so when it comes to the Word of God and our faith and the flow of grace to, to be happening as a result of that, we have the responsibility or we have the free will, let's put it that way, to fill ourselves with whatever we choose to fill ourselves with on a daily basis. And God, He's given us this, this Word that's full of His truths and His promises, and it's a way for us to know Him better, to understand more about who He is and who He says we are. And as we begin to fill ourselves consistently with that, then you can't help but having the aroma of God diffusing into the atmosphere of your life and the relationships around you. He says, we're the fragrance of Christ to those who are perishing and those who are saved. This is really interesting. So we actually need to consider what it is that we're putting off in our lives. This is for a lost and hurting and dying world, but it's also for our body of Christ, for the, for the church, for the the people that we're walking side by side with doing life together, right? We could be stinking up the place around them too if we're not filled with the right stuff. And so there's always this aroma, this fragrance, if you will, that is being put off of our lives. Now, the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, it says, whatever you give, it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. So whatever we're filling ourselves with, guys, ultimately is what we're overflowing with. If you fill yourself enough with something, it's going to overflow. Just like if you turn the spigot on in your sink and you walk away. I've done that before. And you're trying to fill the coffee pot. And you're going to walk back in a few seconds and then minutes go by and you're like, oh yeah, what happens? It's full and it's just overflowing. It's just spilling out. Well, can I say something? When it comes to the truth of God, when it comes to God's purposes, His character, His nature, that are all revealed to us supernaturally in this living word, we want to be as full all the time as we possibly can of that so that it's always spilling out and overflowing into our lives. You, you can't like 
fake this, okay? You can't say, oh, I want to I want to put off that good fragrance and then and like not be full of, of the word of God and not be filling yourself with God on a daily basis and have that happen. You don't really try to put it off. You just try to stay full. <laughs> and so then while you're full, that's what's always coming out of you in your life. It's coming out of you in your relationships, how you handle people, how you talk to people, how you respond to things, how you deal with things, how you encourage people who are going through things. These are the moments in the times in our lives where the fragrance begins to emit and diffuse and where the world around us, believe me, is needing something of a sweet smelling aroma that God is wanting to keep us full of so that we can be emitting that out in our lives at all times. Does that make sense? You can't, if you can't diffuse what you're not full of. And another thing I would say is in, in times where we reach challenges, trials, pressures of life, what does that do? That sort of squeezes us, if you will, puts pressure on us. And anytime you get squeezed, something kind of comes out, right? And so we want to stay full and be emitting a sweet-smelling aroma all the time. But listen, anytime you get squeezed and the pressure of life hits you, something's going to come out of you. And if whatever you're, you're full of, whatever you've got in you is what's going to be coming out of you. And if it's been a while and, and you've, you just haven't really been in the Word or you, you've kind of just been going through the motions and this isn't about a real relationship and you're not really getting revelation from God, you're not talking to him on a daily basis. Eventually, you just kind of start to run low. And then whenever something happens and the pressures of life hit you, instead of that sweet smelling aroma or that fragrance of God coming out, you snap, right? Or something happens and you you react like you want to throw apple cores at people or something like that. You know, you just like you jump at people. You're like, what is that? Well, what are you full of? Right. What have you been what, what, what's been coming in you? Because what's been going in you is really exactly what's going to get coming out of you. You want to stay full with the good stuff all the time. So it's just emitting and diffusing. But regardless, when life hits you hard and pressures you, something's going to start squeezing out of you no matter what. And in, in those moments, in those times, you're going to find out how much of the truth, how much of, what, of operating by faith and then grace happening or something of just the natural man reacting is what's actually going on. And so we want to stay full so that we have something constantly being emitted. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's like, look, we need to be a diffusers of the grace of God. God wants to use you as a diffuser for his fragrances to those who are perishing and to those who are being saved. It's just like all encompassing. It's everything. It's like this is your daily walk right here. Right. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that sometimes when it comes to your car, how many people look down and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm 2000 miles over my oil change. And some people I know you're like clockwork, like grandpa, he's got a ledger for this stuff. And he's like, oh, it's 200 miles. We need to start getting ready for that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're 2000 miles over. And it's like, oh, I got to get in. So it's like all of a sudden you're running low. You know, you're 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 at a point where it's probably not good for the car anymore. You've let it run overdue. And now I'm running frantically. Who can I get it? Can I get in there up there and drive for 15 minutes and pull in and pull out on Monday or Tuesday morning so I can get that done and get out of there, right? When, when, when we're going through our lives, sometimes we get into this crisis mode 
because we hit something, we hit a challenge, we hit a wall, we hit a, a trial, that really, if we're just full of the, of the truth of the Word of God, it's not really, I mean, it's just a battle we already have won. And, and it's something that we just move right on through. But if we're like 2,000 miles overdue on the oil change, if it's been months since we've actually even really prayed or picked up our Bible outside of just coming to church, because that's not the only thing, right? If it's been months, we might hit something that is a simple thing and all of a sudden it just totally derails us and throws us off course. We react in the wrong way. We diffuse in a, a terrible fragrance or whatever and we sort of sour the atmosphere of the relationships or whatever's happening in our lives. He's saying, look, you got to stay a sweet smelling aroma. And I'll just finish with this little part and we'll move on from this verse. But when you diffuse something, especially, I guess this is just the way people are, but negative stuff people remember a lot more than positive stuff sometimes. If you diffuse something bad and you, you kind of like damage your relationship, it starts to stick with people, right? I mean, it's like they have a heart. It's like, man, that's just like, it's damaging. And sometimes it cuts. I know we were driving one time in the car. We had all the kids. And, uh, and you know how when you can just smell a dead skunk all of a sudden, you're, like, you're right on top of it. It's there. You're like, ooh. The kids are like, what's that? What is that, mom? And she's like, oh, you know, that's your dad. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's a, that's a skunk. That's a skunk. Like, oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. And so then we drive like a little longer. And, you know, the skunk smell is strong. It doesn't just go away. And I remember Alyssa was like, dad, it's stuck to the tire. It's not going away. So when we when we have something that's bad, a lot of times if we react wrong, guys, it sticks with people. And then we can get forgiveness from God, obviously, but there's sometimes reconciliation that has to happen outside of that, beyond that, in our relationships because of the damage that we've already been done. And we're people. These things are going to happen. But what I'm trying to say is, look, let's stay full. Let's constantly have the stuff we need in us, which we're filling ourselves with God's truth, His word, his promises, prayer, all that. So that when things are happening in life, it's just the response is a response of faith. And there's a flow of grace that's just constantly being emitted into our lives. And the fragrance is pleasing into the atmosphere in our relationships around us. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. All right. So that's verses one and two. Moving on, uh, verses three through eight here in chapter five. He says, so, but... Fornication, all uncleanness of covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, no fornicator, unclean person or covetous man is, who is an idolater inherits the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, but you are now the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, what he's doing here, and to me, he's doing a couple of things, is he's basically saying all of these things that are uh, of a sinful nature and sinful behavior, they don't have any, they don't have any place in your life. If, if grace is flowing in your life, these things are absent. 
right? These things are being, are being run out of your life, maybe is a better way to say that. They're being run out of your life. And, and when somebody's in the truth of God and in the Word, and, and, God, and they're filling themselves with God, and then grace is flowing, what's happening is that sin is just being run out of their lives. And sin ought to be being run out of all of our lives all the time, and sin ought to be being run out of the church and everything else all the time. That's, that's the way that it is. But I love it that he says it like this. He's not saying like in this harsh way where it's like, you're, you know, sin is evil and, and, and we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to rule this out of you. We're going to just, we're going to be strong rulers and we're going to just come down on you for sin and we're going to run this thing out. That's not what he's saying at all. He's rigid about sin, but what is he saying is the solution for sin, the solution for running sin out and the solution for preventing temptation to get a hold of us for sin to come again. He's saying it's grace. It's grace. It's being full of the things of God so that the grace is always flowing into your life. And what does grace do? It breaks the power of temptation and of sin. It breaks the bondage that that has on our lives. And as the flow of grace is steady and continuing to just increase in our lives all the time, I promise you things that perhaps are tempting at another point in time will not be as tempting and will not have a hold on a person later on down the road as they continue to walk in that grace. Because grace just, it just it comes through their life and it just breaks the power of the temptation that sin has. And here's why. You can't be so full of all the truth and all the promises and all the things of God. If you're full of that stuff, how can all that other stuff get in? Amen. You know what I'm saying? It's like if I fill a container with something all the way full and I try to put something else in it, it, it doesn't necessarily get its way in there. If I'm staying full of the grace of God flowing in my life, staying full of Him, then all the things that I don't want in my life, and let's just be honest, we don't want these things in our lives if we're going to be who God's called us to be. It's not that they don't tempt us or that we don't stumble, but we don't want them. And, and if we don't want them, the simple thing I see here is stay full of the, of the real stuff, of the true stuff, of the pure stuff, of the powerful stuff, and then there's no place for all that stuff to get in. It's like you say, ah, oh, man, there's, I, there's, a, there's a dissatisfaction with it. I don't even want it. It's not even tempting to me anymore because I'm so full of God and His grace and His goodness and the life that He has for me that doesn't include this, that yeah, I don't even want to, I don't even look at that the same way anymore. So he's saying like, we got to run sin out of our lives and, and he's, to me, he's kind of addressing here like two things that we, we talk about influence and, and being the authentic church, right? There's two things that to me are major church influence killers, Two, the two biggest ones. And one is kind of what I've just been saying he's addressed through those number of verses, which is church, a, a people proclaiming God who are still overrun with sin in their lives. Just a, If the church is overrun with sin and looks just like the rest of the world, where's the power? Where's the influence there? Right? I mean, it's kind of like if you... You ever have where you get this image built up, like there's this marketing campaign for this product or this food or whatever, and you get this big image built up, like, man, it's going to be amazing. And then you taste it or you get it, and you're like, this is no different than everything else I've ever had. Wow. <laughs> Let down, right? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not all excited about that anymore. And then you just forget about it. It's gone. It's just kind of like, that's, that's no more. But if you get something that is distinctly different from everything else, and that you, that you can tell that it's unique, and then if you would taste something else that's the wrong thing, you know right away because you've had the real thing. What he's saying is, is the church, guys, the church is different. The church has God's life and His Spirit in her. She needs to be moving forward 
running sin, powerfully running sin out of the people's lives and in her body. Supporting each other, holding each other up, helping each other through those things. But it ought to be moving out of the church and out of our lives on a consistent basis. A church that's a people that are proclaiming God but yet overrun with sin, it doesn't, it doesn't look any different than the world. Where's the power in that? Where's the influence in that? So he's saying, look, let's run it out of our lives. Let's run it out of our church. But we're, we're going to do that not by being bigots and by harsh rulers. We're going to do it by understanding a revelation of grace, by understanding a revelation of a free gift that God gives us. It's really the only way you could ever do that anyway because no person in their natural ability could ever stand strong through temptations in life without God's empowering grace. you got to have it so stay full of what it is that we're talking about of Him, of His Word, and let the power of grace flow into your life and let's continue to see sin be run out of our life. So they're saying church influence killer number one is a church overrun by sin. But number two, this is interesting. He says in verse 8, right, where you were once darkness, but you're now in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. I'm not going to go back to chapter 2, but he talks about in several verses there where he says, you were once lost. You were once caught up in all this stuff. And he kind of makes this point to just sort of bring it into like a full picture to me. It's like, hey, don't forget where you came from. Because number two church influence killer is a bunch of self-righteous people who have maybe an element of truth and maybe they have been able to purge some sin out of their lives, but they're so self-righteous that they think it's maybe something that they've done or attained and they're very judgmental to other people who haven't maybe done that or are still stumbling in that thing. And Paul's saying, hey, don't ever forget where you were. You were in darkness and you were in darkness. Every one of us were in darkness. Don't ever get a feeling or a sense that it isn't because of grace that you're moving sin out of your life. Right? So I, I love that he breaks it down that way and that he's, he, he attaches all. I mean, when you talk about sin and, and things that are wrong and evil that we need to get away from, how better to talk, what better way to do it than to talk about it in a way where you're talking about grace at the same time? I mean, as a preacher, I've, I have to preach about sin. I have to, right? It's in the Bible. I have to help lead people away from things that, that uh, taint their, their lives or whatever. But I understand that the way to really do that is to preach the message of grace at the same time and forgiveness and mercy because that's what God gave me and it, it, it wouldn't be because of anything that I ever did it was because he forgave me and because his grace came into my life that any of that stuff was ever done away with to begin with right and, and so he's saying look you know don't ever forget about what grace is and then again backing it back up again to just saying what we're full of on a daily basis on a consistent basis is what is going to be diffusing out of our lives. Chapter 5, verse 15, he says, So see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but, be, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit." It's kind of the same thing, really. He's talking about don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Whatever you're full of, so full of, like when you're drunk, you're so full of something that's intoxicating, it affects everything outwardly. So he's saying, you know, what are you going to be full of? Be full of the Spirit so that that's what's overflowing and that's what's spilling out and the things of God are what are affecting everything else in your life. And he's saying, be wise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, 
This is a big one because a lot of times we say, I know I do, and I know a lot of people do, like, I want to know what God's plan for me is. I want to know what His purpose for me is. I want to know what His will for me is. Can I just say this to you? First of all, don't ever try to think or don't ever expect that you're ever going to sum that up at any point in your life with some sort of phrase or a statement. Because the purpose that God has for your life is so broad, it's so multifaceted that you could never really actually grasp the depths of it and understand it in completeness at any point in any one time in your life. It's, it's huge. So by saying, understand what the will of God is. Now, the will of God, meaning the wisdom of God revealed to us for who we are in Christ and what He's created us to be, it's really a, an increasing level of understanding that we gain about what God's created us for as we continue to know Him more and better as we, as we build our faith. And, as great, and to understand the wisdom of God, again, is a thing of grace. It's by grace that God gives us supernaturally knowledge about our lives that He has for us, that He's created us for. So if I want to understand the will of God for my life, and I want to know what I'm to do in the areas of my life, what I'm to pursue, who I'm to be, then it only makes sense that that knowledge, that that wisdom is going to pass to me what, how? By grace. It's going to be a flow of grace. If God gives it to me, it's from Him, so it's only by His grace that He's giving it. And if I, if I want to understand that more, I need to fill myself with the truth so that my faith is built, and as faith is increased, so the flow of grace is increased in my life. And so as we get to know God, and I, I just, I've come back to this so many times in my life, guys, where, you know, I feel as I get to know God, closer and more intimately, all I can say is I understand more of what he's, what he's calling me to do. You know, I, I'm not just sitting here praying, tell me what you called me for, tell me what you called me for, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. That's not, that's not the approach. It's, God, you're so amazing. You forgave me. You're so good. There's so much that you've created me for that I don't know. I just want to know you, God. I just want to know you more. I want my thoughts to be your thoughts. I want my ways to be your ways. Help me to know you more. And as I fill myself with him, more of what he's created me for becomes clear. But here's another thing. A lot of times, it's also understanding what he's not created you for. Because the Word of God gives you that too. It gives you boundaries. It gives you places where you know, man, maybe I don't know every little detail, but I know that that can't be God right there. Right? And so knowing the will of God is really a byproduct, again, of knowing it for your life, is a byproduct of knowing Him well and knowing Him more and continuing to be on this pursuit of our faith being built and increased as we know Him better and better. Amen? And then, jumping ahead now into verses 22 in chapter 5, 22 through 33, and then a little bit in 6. I'm not going to read them, but he talks about relationships, husbands and wives, parents and children. And in this case, it says like bondservants and masters, which we could really kind of look at this today and, and, it's, and say, you know, in the workplace, bosses and employees and different things. And he addresses these relationships. Now, I got to tell you, this is something that I've thought before. I, I love these passages in Ephesians 5 where he talks about marriage and husbands and wives. And it's a great part of what a godly husband, what a godly wife looks like. I use these scriptures when I do marriages a lot, okay? But I've wondered, like, God, in this whole book of Ephesians, all these things that are just like grace coming out and all this stuff that's just powerful. I'm just curious, like, 
husbands and wives. All of a sudden, just like kind of, it seems like it just comes out of nowhere all of a sudden. And, and bond servants and masters. And I was thinking about it, and God just showed me something. He said, look, there, there is, when it comes to influence in the world, when it comes to God's grace being emitted and diffused through your lives, there is really nothing that is more visible over time than your relationships with your closest people to you. The husbands and the wives, the parents and the children. How, how you walk these things out is probably the, the, the greatest example of, of God's grace, of God's empowerment in your life than anything else that you're going to go out and set out to do. And I was like, man, that's amazing. That makes sense. Because really, that's, I, I'm, a, I'm a husband and a father and every, and, and a, you know, every single day of my life. And I can't do that without God's grace. I'm aware of that, like, all the time. I mean, there's even sort of like this desperation in me, to be honest, a little bit. Like, God, I'm, I'm going to fail without you. You know, I need you bad. His grace, I need it, I need it, I need it. I'm just, it's almost like a, a hard pursuit. And so as his grace is there, and we're representing God the way we ought to as a husband or a, a wife, as a father or as a mother, as a son or as a daughter, as we see the way God's laid these relationships out and we reflect that, we are reflecting. We are diffusing the aroma of God. His represents say, wow, look at the grace of God that's upon this person's life. Look at the husband they are. Look at the father they are. Look at the mother or the wife, right? And, and, and so much so, and I'm just being honest, if I know people in a church that just, they seem to be, have it all together, perfect example of a person of integrity, whatever, and, and then you find out that they're a horrible father or a horrible wife or a mother, or all these things. What does it do? It discredits that. It discredits that. It takes away from that whenever you see that. So you say, look, these relationships that are the closest in your life, the, at the center, at the nucleus of what you're being called to do, you need God's grace in these areas as much, if not more, than anything else that you're going to set out to do. And so he lays these things out about mothers and fathers and, and parents and children and husbands and wives. But the reality is, is that it's through the grace of God empowering us every day that we're able to actually be who we're supposed to be in those areas. Does that make sense? One person? That made sense? Okay. All right. Um, and then he also says here in verse, in chapter 6, verse 6, he says, Did not do this with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And we'll just end with this. This is, if it's, if it's in you, it's coming from the heart, right? But if, if the whole motivation is what we, what we look like outwardly, what people think, that thing, it's only a matter of time before that thing begins to break down and the, the, there's a lack of the power of God and the grace of God in our lives because we're doing something with the wrong motives. And what we really, truly need isn't going to be there in the time where we need it the most. If our objective is to appear a certain way, to look a certain way to the world around us, and that's kind of what's driving us, then he's saying we've, we've got something backwards here. We're missing something. It needs to flow from the heart. It needs to come from an inner conviction. And as we are full of the truth, 
truth and of the word of God, filling ourselves consistently, then whatever we're doing in the flow of grace, it's happening because we want to serve God and we want to walk in the purpose that he's created us for. It's kind of like you're walking along. Katie, come up here for a second. You're, let's just say, no, this is a good one. That's fine. Yeah. Huh? No, yeah, just come up here. Because I'm going to kind of put my arm around you, and I don't want to do that around a dude or nothing. So, just, so it's kind of like this. If, if, if it's coming from the heart, if it's authentic, I'm walking in it in everything that I do every day. So now if I'm kind of like, oh, I'm walking with God, walking with God, and then I kind of like, all right, I'm going to get away. I'm going to do this thing over my life here. I'm going to go do this, and then I'm running the trouble, and I'm having problems, and all this stuff's going on, and now I realize that I'm lacking something. I'm, in, I'm, out, of, I'm out of my realm here. Oh, my gosh, i got to get back. i got to get back here. Help me, God. Help me, help me, help me. Right? And so we kind of with it, and then we just sort of separate out, and then we move on about our lives, not really... Uh, conscious of what we're filling ourselves with God and with his truth on a regular basis. But if the way he's talking about it is it's authentic, it flows from the heart, it's consistent, it's just kind of like, all right, God, let's, uh, let's go over here. Yeah, we're walking together in this area of my life. Oh, there's a problem, but you know what? We're going to be fine. We're going to get through it because you're with me, God. And let's just go on over here. We're going to keep on moving forward in our lives. We're going to, oh, look at that. That could be a disastrous, but you know what? I've got you, so it's going to be just fine. Everything's great. And we just kind of keep on moving along in our lives, but this is the key, is that we never, isn't that sweet, isn't that nice? <laughs> I'm saving myself. This is very strategic, folks, very strategic what I'm doing here. And so the idea is, is I am, I'm never getting away from this thing. I don't ever want to let go of this grip right here. Because wherever I go and whatever I do, as long as I walk into it, I go through it, and I come out of it with God. I mean, <laughs> you're representing God here the way we're doing this. All right. As long as I'm going into that with Him in my life, then everything that is going to happen, all my responses and the way I'm reacting to things, the way I'm dealing with things, it's going to come from a place of faith because I've been filled with that truth. And then there's going to be a response of God's grace into my life that will supernaturally allow me, enable me to do whatever it is, to handle whatever it is that I've got to do and handle. I don't want to be in crisis mode because I let myself run dry or I let myself run low. And all of a sudden I get to a point where I've got to go back and try to fill 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 and get to this place where now I can handle something right and I'm not saying that doesn't happen to us guys I understand I'm just saying the way we're meant to walk every day is, is, is basically where the flow of grace is constantly being emitted out of our lives so if that be the case we always ought to be full of God and his grace and his goodness his truth on a consistent basis right stand to your feet with me today so we are wrapping it up by grace through faith. Closing verse that Paul says in chapter five, uh, 6, verse 24. He says, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. I love this. He actually opens and ends, the bookends of this book of Ephesians, by ministering grace. He begins and ends with it. Grace be with you who love our Lord. And he begins by saying that too. There's something powerful in that. He's beginning and ending by ministering grace to people. He is giving out what he's full of. He is ministering something that he already has. He is saying, 
the grace of God is, it's all in my life. It's flowing into my life. And what we need as a people, as a church, is we need to know God closer and more intimately all the time so that all of our lives are basically like a constant diffuser of God's grace coming out of us. He addresses some hard things and some tough things in this, but he begins and he ends with a message of grace. He begins and he ends by saying, it's by the grace of God that everything that you're going to be able to do will flow into your life. It's not by your own strength.